welcome to The Big Deal, where we unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and much more. Subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player and don't forget to sign up to www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Welcome back to another episode of The Big Deal. I'm Jack Hudson, and joining me, as always, is AFL legend Warren Trudeau. Treaders, how you going, mate? I'm good, Hutto. Up and about, like you are. Um, yes. Jeez, we could talk about the world of AFL. Billion-dollar ambitions. Well, break this down for me. This just mm. says to me, as a footy fan, it's the AFL's going to throw a billion dollars of cash to keep themselves number one. Is that fair? Um, Probably, but... They make it a year-round thing, but they're pushing into the uh, rugby league territories a lot more aggressively, trying to double the number of participants playing the game, which is just a shy of uh, just over half a million people. So <laughs> double that to a million people playing um, Aussie rules around the country. So not bad, but yeah, they're pushing the New South Wales and Queensland trying to take on NRL as with the uh, declaration of war with um, the opening round that they're doing this year as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we're talking about this million dollar, or sorry, billion dollars, should I say. That's, you know, participation. That starts with Auskick. We've all done it. I don't think it was Auskick when I started. Um, <laughs> not sure what it was called, but I know my kids went through it. My daughter went through it. She played on the playground, didn't really care less about uh, the footy, but every one of my kids have certainly done it. And this is obviously uh, registered participation. This is a bit of a cash cow too, because there's big mm. money involved in it for the AFL, but it is grassroots first and foremost. And the plan is to get a billion dollars spent by 2033. As you say, increase funding New South Wales, Queensland, but also financially support the other hotspots, Victoria, South Australia, where participation is down. Western Australia, Tasmania, obviously with, depending on what happens with the new license, they're subject to the uh, election coming out. And then also throwing in both Northern Territory, which is a, a vibrant footy hub and the ACT. So get 1 million signed up participants, uh, which is almost double that 526,000 currently registered. And this is according to News Corp. Um, construction and new ovals, facilities. We've seen that go crazy, particularly with women's footy, uh, needing two lots of change rooms, uh, increased capacities for grounds, uh, rolling out um, modified versions of games to attract new markets, including diverse communities, boosting women's participation. Uh, the plan is from 27% to 50%, and that's going gangbusters anyway if you go to local footy. The women's footy is in really, really good health at the bottom level in terms of participation. And the big challenge too is trying to retain some of the youngsters, the juniors. You know, you talk about ages 6 to 10, then obviously that was whacked in the COVID years of 2020 to 21. Uh, then also, the, the I call it the shedding years, which is sort of 14 13, 14 through to 17, where people go, oh, I might not make it the AFL level or I don't really want to do this anymore. I want to do something else. A lot of times some kids just play because they want to play with their mates. Yeah. Um, they're not driven by the wins and losses. They just want to do a participation and play with their best buddies. So this is really helping. I think it's certainly going to help um, the expansion hubs of you know Sydney-based teams, um, Queensland, New South Wales and Queensland-based teams um, and then look at where their performances have gone. And, and if you look at all those teams, bar GWS, uh, sorry, bar the Gold Coast, that is, um, they've got, gone deep into finals. Um, and we know that you know, they've got the best coach in the land right now. Um, 
Damien Hardwick from Richmond. So I think this is a big, big move and a smart move by the AFL. I think I think so as well. And like, retaining the juniors when you said about that shedding age, that is absolutely right because that's when I stopped. Oh, I just lost interest. I didn't want to play anymore. Wasn't enjoying the club I was at. And But the other thing is, and this is going to make me sound at least in my mid-60s, video games. People, like, kids just want to play, say, play at home and play Fortnite. They don't want to go out and build and play footy as much. So it's about trying to get that attention span up as well. Yeah, and that comes back to parenting too. Like yes. I know we all face that challenge. Fortnite in this house, people love it. But there's also a stage that get outside and do something. Get out in the sun. Go out and get outside and experience nature a little bit too, whether it's playing footy or one of my other sons is surf lifesaving. I agree. The, the computer games thing was there with me, albeit a Commodore 64 into a Nintendo, <laughs> uh, into a Sega. But you know, the beauty of Commodore 64, you'd load it up back in the day, Hutto. It'd take you mm. 20 minutes to load it. Then you have to come shift, comma, eight, comma, one, then hit run 20 minutes later. You've played three games of cricket and two games of footy by the time it's ready to go. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that is a genuine challenge and the AFL understands that because it, not only is the competitive market in the professional sporting arena, right, it's also a competitive market for eyeballs. You look mm. at Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, all the sporting clubs are using those, Facebook to a lesser extent, X or the old school Twitter, they're now using those as a, a form of connection to those fans. And as you say, you, you pulled out of playing the game, but you're still passionate and go to games. So mm. they don't want to lose everyone in particular, um, not everyone wants to play the game. Um, oh, I played 25 years of my life playing the game and couldn't play the game unless I wanted to play Masters and probably spend a lot of money on medical. <laughs> so I think this is smart by the AFL. And, and the more they push into those areas and, and to use their big fat wallet because their TV rights money and their revenue is um, as big as any other sport um, mm. that's played nationally in this country. So that's the challenge heading forward. Um, but they've also got their own little challenges too because the MCG in its own business um, has to keep making money. And we've seen for the second year in a row, it was Ed Sheeran last year, and it's your mate Taylor Swift. Um, My mate. Has, has forced the uh, MCG to pretty much rip up a majority of its turf because uh, ahead of the round one clash between Richmond and Carlton in what? Three weeks' time? Yeah, so, well, I think that last year it was real close. It was less than two weeks. I think 13 days was the number. But, yeah, so they have to relay the turf again post-Taylor Swift. 96,000 fans piling in across well, three nights. of 96,000 fans. So, yeah. So um, almost 300,000 people and three concerts. And you know with those concerts too, they lay down that plastic, that protection for the oval. But what it does do is kill the oval. So yeah. I, I laugh at this, the fact that this is always a, a big... Um, story talking point let's face it there's not a huge amount to talk about in the AFL world right now apart from a few free agents re-signing um and you know little stories here and there but let's face it it didn't really affect it last year I don't think it's going to affect it this year I think the greater challenge for the AFL is the fact that there's going to be a game um played at Marvel um and and there's that's after Pink has two concerts on yeah, the next few days on Feb 23 and 24 at Docklands. Um, and then again on March 12, 13. So there's no AFL games at Marvel Stadium until uh, the zero round or round one, as they say. So um, mm. yeah, in, in those situations, so they, they've blocked that out. But those stadiums also got to make some money too. And they make a lot of their money from their major tenants, MCG, footy and cricket, Adelaide Oval, footy and cricket. You, know, you look at Perth the same, the Gabba the same, 
SCG the same. But the reality is to make the cream on top to, to cover the books, they've got to entice those international acts. They would have made huge money in the in the um, stadium in terms of for food and bev in those situations. Oh, yeah. But as they say, yeah, when you got you know 13 days last year, 24 days this year to replace it, and this is the interesting bit for me, the rollout of the turf, right, has a depth of around 10 centimetres. So it's not like we go to Bunnings like you or I and go to the local <laughs> um, lawn, lawn grower and go, mate, give me, you know, 400 square metres of lawn, you know, that's about, what, three centimetres thick. This stuff's 10 centimetres thick. It's practically immovable. And I actually, once it's laid down, it'd be, it'd be weighed in its tons, not kilos. Mm. So I think it'll be fine come that time. And let's face it, the big push here is that the MCG thinks about um, spending some money to upgrade the Shane Warne stand, which used to be called the Great Southern stand. They want to take their capacity to around 105,000 people. So that is the upside for them. And, and that stadium was built. Well, the 1991 AFL Grand Final between Geelong and West Coast Eagles was played at Waverley because it was still being built. So we're talking 1992. So you know, what's that? 30 years ago, over yeah. 30 years ago. So that is in, in desperate need for a for a um, for an upgrade. If you look at what we see with all the stadiums around the world, Adelaide Oval's a lot newer than that is. Perth's unbelievably new. So mm. um, I've got no problem with these stadiums. And God, you know what I come back to? What's that? I actually played league football when there was dirt on the ground. Yeah, he would have. There's some good photos of the old State of Origin games where there's just a mud pit. Mud pit, because they had too many games on certain periods of time. But that's winter too. Yeah. You know? Look, it's actually okay. And this is what I laugh at. You know, there were some stories a couple of years ago, Ed Sheeran or, or um, um, who else came out? You know, there were a few other people come out. U2 was one of them. Yeah. I mean, but... Rolling Stones years ago. Oh no, the stadium might be not right. You know what? It might not be beautifully luscious green, but it's still alive and the surface is still good. And you know what? It's okay to get muddy sometimes. Yeah, go play up in Williamstown over July up on the Barossa, then come complain yeah, that when the, yearly. when the grass looks like it's dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. Speaking of, uh, go to the uh, NRL on the other side of uh, the sort of this uh, whole turf war that's going on. Las Vegas, it's not far away. Yeah, well, this is exciting. Um, it's the same stadium in Las Vegas where the uh, Super Bowl was being played. Um, yeah. You know, the NRL effectively feature matches between the Rabbitohs and Seagulls and also the Roosters and the Broncos, so the big teams. Um, first ever game of NRL, four premiership points played outside Australia or New Zealand. So Andrew Abdo, who's the CEO, says the size of the market and the size of the economy, it's just so big. So to put that into perspective from gross domestic product of all population, it would be the equivalent of having one of the big states of America. That's what wow. we are. And there's 50 of them. So there's 50 times the opportunities, they say. And this is when... I go, why would you do this? What's in this? Well, have a listen to this, Hutto. This is some really interesting stuff. So they've thrown all their chips in on this Vegas gamble, right? Committed Jeez. to playing the games in the Sin City for a five-year period until the end of 28. So it's not like it's a one-year, see how it flies and goes. Yep. So they've obviously had to allow for huge startup costs. The governing body is budgeting for a small loss in the opening year, but they're hoping for significant returns. And this is how they plan on doing it. So... A few years ago, the NRL was spending as much as $1.2 million on a season launch. Well, it's fair to say they're spending a bit more now, mm. right? So this stadium, 
that's um, played at host the Super Bowl where the LA Raiders play. It's a 65,000 seat stadium, right? Called the Death Star, right? That's Similar sick. to Star Wars uh, connotations there. So as we say, the, the home of the, the Raiders, it's five metres narrower than a standard rugby league field. Wrong. They're copying it, right? So they're going to be playing at it. It's going to be a squeeze game and both teams are compromised in this way. So because the face, the facts of the matter are, whilst AFL has looked into it in the past, where do you get ovals big enough? You don't. No, and, no. you know, you look at soccer and you go, yep, that's pretty much gridiron. I thought NRL would be pretty much gridiron. As we know, it's, you know, is that slight narrower. It's five metres narrower. So we talk about, there's a briefing to the 17 uh, NRL clubs. Abdo has predicted the league could make $60 million over a five-year period from broadcasting into the United States lounge rooms, right? Jeez. So first up, the doublehead is going to be broadcast by Fox Sports 1 in America for the first time ever. So we're not talking our oh, Fox Sports 1 or uh, NRL channel on Fox here in Australia. We're talking in America on Fox Sports 1. So the exposure to primetime is going to be huge. So there'll be a showcase... The so-called greatest game of all, NRL says. Good on them for trying anyway. Um, <laughs> but the audience here, we're not talking millions. We're talking tens of millions. So there's negotiations yeah. underway to have a network show additional matches throughout the season. So they're hoping that this will prick the ears of people to go, hey, what is this stuff, right? So they don't really know what the next broadcast deal looks like, you know, whether to invent, you know, talk about a joint venture, uh, overseas, you know, driving a subscription model, whether or not they carve it out in markets independently. So they go, well, okay, well, we've got an overseas market. We do partnerships in America, but we'll leave our local markets in Australia and New Zealand, which is currently um, broadcast by the Nine Network and also Foxtel. So the big one they will look at at the moment is their Watch NRL app. So it's no different to the AFL app or A-League app. You can watch it. You can pay for subscription. So at the moment, it's 169 US a year, which is about $230 Australian. We've only got 3,000 people to subscribe, right? But they're saying if we can grab 1% over the next five years, that's 34 million people because there's 340 million people in America, right? So that then turns into, um, you took about 170 US, turns into 570 odd million dollars US. Mm. right if they're able to get even half of that that's 250 million more right they also say that there's 3,000 aussies living in the u.s so if they get half of those it's an extra 25 million dollars to the game so all of a sudden you sit there and go i understand what they're doing but the yeah. big beast here that is really uncapped and un- uncharted is there's a lot we are 30 years in australia ahead of america in gaming and betting regulations right yeah. So whilst Australia is tightening the noose around betting in game and you know players and professional you know board members and officials can't bet at all on the game, America's gone the other way. So the American Gaming Association has researched about a record 68 million Americans, or 26 percent of their population, wages 23.1 billion on the Super Bowl. So that's an increase of 35 percent on estimates for the previous years. So, and this is the bit, we touched on this um, podcast almost a year and a half ago now about betting regulations and people sitting at suburban Doncaster soccer games because in America, the market is so big. So we've seen a boost in all these other second, third and fourth tier sports. Why? Because Americans can now punt on them. Mm. So they might not like Aussie rules. They might not like lacrosse or cricket or whatever. 
or NRL. But if they find a team and they can make a money via wagering out of it, there is massive uptick. And that's what we say. Any sport that bets professionally and takes bets, the governing body gets clipped. All of a sudden, um, the NRL has opened themselves up to the US betting machine and the turnover that goes with that. And it's not going to compete with NRL, right? Uh, Sorry, NFL, NBA, major leagues, even second tier sports, right? But it's going to be in the conversation now. So this is where the money can be huge, right? Mm. Are they expecting a sellout of 65,000? No, to date, 27,000 tickets have been sold. Half of those are the Aussies doing the junket trips. Because let's face it, if you're an NRL nut, you can go to Vegas, never been to Vegas before, go to an amazing stadium and watch your team play and you could afford it, why wouldn't you? But they reckon even a further 10,000 have been snapped up by Americans, which start, the tickets start at 19 bucks US, so it's cheap, right? Yeah. Uh, international travellers. So they, they think a sellout is unlikely, but when you wager in what they're thinking is, if we can get a cut of the broadcast licence on Channel 75 on Fox during the season... That's a check we never had before. You can get yeah. a big, a bigger cut of the gaming line, gaming, right, and gambling. That's a that that's huge. And then if you're in a position where, in a few years' time, when your broadcaster uh, agreement is up locally, and the challenge for every Australian sports, you know, whether it's NRL and AFL and Cricket Australia, which are huge, or the, the lesser second and third tier sports, is how do we increase the pie? of the broadcast rights. I think the NRL has jumped AFL in this space because you're going to have broadcast rights at the moment with, as I said, with nine and Fox getting renewed really well. But imagine if they could cut off a separate one to bring more money into the game to sell off, you know, another 50 million a year from Foxtel internationally, then that's just only going to help NRL grow. And we just touched on what the AFL's done for participation. Mm. I think if this, this can bid any serious interest from Americans? I think it's yeah, you know, the world's the oyster if it, if they can pull it off. Absolutely, I feel like on the AFL point of view, they probably missed a chance during the COVID years when there was no sport being played in America or the UK. That to dive into that and absolutely do what you can to appeal to the American market. Yeah, absolutely, and and then no doubt the AFL because it was being actually broadcast overseas at times. Well, it does. It has minor broadcast deals. There was that element. But the big one is the gambling. And as much as no one wants to touch it um, publicly, that, that is a big cash cow for all sports. Um, yeah. It's a reality. I know uh, a lot of sports and clubs are trying to get out of gaming and understand that too. But there is a financial element too that it it does wash its back in terms of what is you know publicly perceived from a business point of view too. And then clearly the, NFL, uh, the NRL is going after that. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think... Um... A lot of just casual punters in Australia haven't had a crack at European handball at 3 a.m. before, so <laughs> <laughs> the Americans are going to start diving into that as well. Um, keeping across overseas at the NBA, but with an Aussie, um, Jop Reith. Um, this is amazing. Three-year deal. So he was on a two-way deal, cut. There was NBL clubs after him for a while. Now he signed a three-year deal with the Trailblazers, and it's just a remarkable story and great for him. Yeah, and to, to explain the two-way deal, like I, I like basketball, Huddle, but you're a bigger nut than I. The two-way deal, can you explain that to people? Yeah, so two-way contracts allow NBA teams to carry three additional players along with the uh, 15 on their regular season roster. So that often a line. Um, you see them go to their G League affiliate and they get called up if necessary. Otherwise, they get cut. Um, yeah, cut. So that's where like you see like even D 
BJ Vasilovic had a two-way contract, I think, as well. So um, when they get cut, that's when, say, an NBL team or Euro League teams can sort of feast on those ones that have been cut from the NBA, but just on the fringes. So they're good enough to probably be there. Um, but yeah. And it looks like this case is um, um, Reith's issue here was, you know, he, he played bloody well in the um, NBL a few years ago, then went off to China. We saw him in the World Championships and, and Olympics for Australia. So he's played really well here. But 6.6 million over the next three years in US dollars is going to be huge for him too. Um, and this is the bit that really... I didn't understand. You talked about that two-way deal, but then also to some of the fine print around that is uh, two-way players are eligible to be active for their team for up to 50 matches of the 82 regular season. So, mm. um, you know, Reef has played 40. He's clearly going to get past the 50. So they're obliged to take up his three-year option. So the, the good point is he's getting paid. And, yeah. you know, he's, what has he started? 10 matches. He's come off. Yeah, 40 times he's come off off the bench. So uh, it's great to see someone, what, 27-ish years of age, get an opportunity after doing, he's doing the hard yards. It's very much a case of like a Joe Ingalls many years ago. Got drafted, didn't get an opportunity, got traded, waived, then went off to Europe. I think he played in Barcelona. He might have gone elsewhere in Israel to play, then gets an opportunity to play again and all of a sudden turns into an NBA mainstay and gets paid. So I, I love this story. Um Really love what he did with the Olympics um, and good on him. He's just coming at a crack and looks like one of those players' players. You know what I mean? Just a good fundamental professional. Teammates love him and he's a big unit to throw, away, throw around his size too. Absolutely. And another one that's sort of mentioned in that um, they sort of held on to. So Luke, Luke Travis is obviously linked with, uh, he's got the Cleveland Cavaliers that have got his rights. So we might be seeing him around or playing G League next year. We never know. So... Keeping with the NBA, this LeBron James stuff is crazy. So basically, whoever gets his son is likely to probably get him. And Ronnie James is probably not up to the sort of standard that his legendary father is, but he wants to play with his old man, so he could, who knows where he could go, but depends whether the, uh, the Lakers want to pay up. Yeah, well, it's interesting, isn't it? LeBron James... Um has got the option to exercise the final year of his contract. He's owned 51.4 mil US, which is 78 million. So he's got a player option. So after the season, or he can enter, take that up or enter free agency. So the word around is that it's been reported that Los Angeles is willing to explore the notion of adding his son, Bronny James, for the 24-25 season. He's always talked about this. This is thanks to the athletic. So he's always talked about playing with his son. So his son's a freshman at USC. So he can enter the draft, the 2024 draft. And if the Lakers are willing to consider adding him, they know that it'll keep LeBron happy for now. So the Lakers won the championship with LeBron in his second year, right after joining from the Cavs. And that was in the bubble, the COVID bubble. So they've not won a conference finals game since. So this is the challenge for the Lakers. He's closing in on 40 in December, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Still a super talent. Yeah. Could he help transform an organisation into a contender? He probably could. As the main man, who knows? That's the debate. But he's still putting up good numbers. But the challenge here, as you touch on, you look at ESPN, they do their rankings of the future draftees. Yep. They're saying number 20 recruit, Bronny at best, right? He's averaging 5.8 points, three rebounds, 2.6 assists per game. He shoots at 35% from the floor. Right. So yeah. from a 
pure production standpoint, he's not a first round pick, let alone a lottery selection. So no. that's the reason why I reckon this is a bit. Ugh. It's a bit of a gamble, the old family connection. And you know what? Everyone looks after their kids. You love your kids, right? And you'll do anything to help them support. But what? If LeBron then takes him and moves on and retires, if he's putting up that sort of numbers, he's gone. Yeah. He's not going to last. No, he won't. And it's that's... just using your leverage. And I know I get leverage with contracts, it's great. But hey, if he's the spot for a, as you say, you know, your summer league stuff, mm. then great. But if you think he's going to roll into your starting, not your starting lineup, but on your starting bench, probably not. I just reckon it's got a bit of a stench to it. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because I think it happens in a lot of sports that a younger brother, not usually a son, it's usually a brother or a cousin, can get on a list with not much reputation aside from their last name. And it's just like, hey, see how you go sort of thing. Yeah, I get that. Like we've seen it in AFL. There's a lot of rookie listers. You go, well, they probably weren't going to get drafted, but they've done it. Mm. You know what I mean? Probably for political purposes. But this is first and foremost in your face here. If this is genuine, they want him to be drafted, use up a second or third round selection to pick him. I don't think it's happening on its own merits. That's what I don't like about it. And what's going to stop um, another team just drafting Ronnie and then trying to lure LeBron? Yeah. Well, and that could be some of the plan. Yeah. So and then nothing, for me, on the outside, nothing happens in the NBA without everyone knowing about it first. That's so true. Yeah. We'll keep with the NBA and the All-Star game. So that was interesting yesterday. A high scoring 211 to 86. Joke. Yeah, well, let's put it, let's put it this way. I call him the GOAT in terms of the NBL, the greatest ever NBL player, Andrew Gaze, right? Mm-hmm. He's quote, I have never been more frustrated in my sport watching the NBA All-Star game. The East winning the contest 211 to 186. It was putrid, he said. Yes. Yeah, sure. You saw some flashy guys running at the basket and dunking it. But watch the dunk, con- dunk contest then. It's an indictment on the game and an indictment on the concept. Well, I agree. Wholeheartedly agree. I flicked it on yesterday. And at one stage, I don't know who it was, they refused to bounce or dribble the ball. It was throw to you, throw to me, throw to you, throw to me, dunk. It's pathetic. I remember, and maybe it goes back to when it was last a ratings record, right? Mm. Which was 2002, MJ played. No coincidence, right? Back when Kobe and Chris Paul, they played hard. MJ, they played hard. When you were MVP, you weren't Damien Lillard who shot, what, 39 points and we just kept having pot shots from halfway, right? And, and the score's 211 to 186. They actually put on a showcase of the best talent. The All-Star game was a showcase of the best talent. It is now turned up very much like the NBA. It's no-touch sport. It used to be physical, the main sport. We're now yeah. seeing it very ticky-touch, Right? And I get people love that and you want to see high... You know, what they do unbelievably well now is shooting from outside that they never did in the previous eras. But the game has evolved, I get that. But why are we less physical and why is... This is the showcase. This is, this is the moment you go, hey, I'd love to be that person. I want to take up playing basketball. That's just slap and tickle crap. Yeah. 
No, it's absolute rubbish. And I was having this conversation the other day with somebody about the NBA. Like, I love watching the NBL. It's physical. You see some great highlights and you see careers sort of grow and it's Aussie. Well, obviously, it's homegrown. I can't sit there and watch a game of NBA. No. I can't do it. I can't get into it. I can't get heavily infested. But the NBL, I can. I'm not sure if it's because I've worked, obviously, alongside 36 players closely. I just can't give a stuff about it. Look, don't get me wrong. I agree with you. Don't get me wrong. I love the sport of basketball. Mm. And I wish I could shoot and dunk. <laughs> or let like get off the ground. But this is this is the bit that, that, that what you touched on then is exactly right. Oh, I still even think watching the NBL and I watch the Sixers games as a fan every week. And I still think they're a bit soft on how they bow. What was that for? It barely touched it. But at least it's more physical. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Like you, you look at European basketball. Mate, they're, they're, got, they're physical in the crowds as well as on the field, on the oh, court. Yeah. But this is the bit that I, and I get People love NBA and it is showcase and it's entertainment. I get all that. But surely, and I've always been the thought too, that an eight out of, you know, an eight versus 10 AFL game goals-wise can be good because it's an enthralling, tough contest. I think we've lost toughness. And I think the first thing the NBA needs to do, they can't be happy with that result. The ratings aren't out yet as we speak, as we record. Um, But they can't be happy with that, you know, bruise-free version of basketball. No. Brutal basketball. Like, you look at the documentary on the um, uh, US Dream Team. Remember when Kobe put Gasol on the ground? Yeah. That's competitiveness. Does it go too far? Maybe. But that's what it means. I'd love to see ruthlessness. All it looks like is blokes who want to get their badge of all-star. And I love the fact that they do all-star. It's like All-Australian or um, NRL first team or NBL first team, all that. But they've got to get this right. Because otherwise, yeah. it's it's just pointless. It's, it's just going to die. Yeah. It'll, it'll die. So it, it's, it's a, a flog off from rappers to this to that. Make it showcase about the game. Have all the bluff around it and the, the sexiness and the Hollywood around it. Absolutely. But when it comes to when the game plays, I want to see people commit. Yeah. Well, does, does it have to come to a case that there's something on the line? I think I, think I was having the conversation the other day. I think... It's either baseball or NFL that whatever conference wins, they get home advantage in the playoffs, which is a bit of a oh, it's a full on sort of yeah, right. prize. But why well, not? I think the ultimate the ultimate prize in sport mm. is your pride. Yeah, and the ultimate prize in sport is selection. Yeah, strip that back. If you don't have your own pride and your own ability to have you know, in the enforceable selection from the coach's verification that you're in the team or you're in the best team, then you got nothing. Because well, fundamentally, every sports person starts the game because they love the game or they want to be their hero. Mm. Then it turns into money and showcase and bluff and all the other bits and pieces. But if you don't have pride in performance, I think that's where it comes back to. You know, the NBA commissioner comes in and says, you're on, you're playing, you're playing flat out. And LeBron, if you're struggle right and you're struggling to recover well then maybe you don't play maybe you don't you know what I mean maybe we want we want everyone throwing everything at it because fundamentally you're representing the game so your contracts will be guaranteed but yeah I'd love to see it come back to hey let's take this treat this like an NBA final Mm. yeah I wonder if it's ever going to happen with the way it is we'll move into the Super Bowl and obviously 
So this is crazy. The most watched TV broadcast since the moon landing. Dreaders? Unbelievable, isn't it? 123.4 million average viewers. I think we revealed 116 last week. That was the average from mm. Super Bowl. So this has kicked on again. Um, 650 million in estimated ad revenue. And for all the skeptics that say, oh, how did it end up going extra time? Well, CBS probably made an extra 50 million more <laughs> dollars in revenue solely because it went to overtime. So big business, the NFL. There's my big favorite, paid bucks. My favourite sports conspiracy theory, that one, that it is uh, all scripted and that someone has the full script of how the game's going to go. There's been players talking about that, but you just don't know if they're put up to it to keep the... Uh, <laughs> keep the, theory, the conspiracy theory going but one thing it ain't a conspiracy theory we talked about Usher mm. how much he got paid he got paid $671 they're saying <laughs> we thought he got paid nothing but $671 yeah. well he's done well I'd more than 671 when I was told I was getting nothing but you know what better in the days after with his touring his merchandises his streaming concert tickles endorsements at the back end he's pocketed over 100 mil 100 mil so 100 million and $671. Jeez. Who said exposure doesn't pay, eh? Yeah. <laughs> That's outrageous. Uh, wow. Tiger Woods. <laughs> we'll move on from that because that's an insane amount of problem from that. Um, he's only playing, apparently, to support his recently launched clothing line, Sunday Red. Well, that was that was Crazy. announced like an hour after we recorded last week. So that yeah, we weren't able that? to get that one out. So... So he's unveiled his new apparel launch, right? Golf gear at the Riviera Country Club last week. Obviously, that so-called shock split from Nike after 27 years wasn't so much a shock anymore because it's sort of been happening the last year. But mm. um, And when you, you look at Jason Day, all these other players, Nike is sort of coming out of the golfing space. Yeah. Um, yeah, and recently he's been listed as a billionaire by Forbes. Um, oh, earnings are $1.8 billion. So he... Doesn't really push come to shove, need this new venture to work out. But everyone keeps speculating that this is the only reason he's continuing to appear at high-profile events. Um, and the Daily Mail has talked about this. So they're saying if Tiger actually could retire, he would. His body, post-car accident, a few other bits and pieces, knee surgeries, it's all for his brand. And he has to keep making appearances to keep things ticking over financially. Yeah, and, and this is that new brand as you touch on then, Sunday Red. So, and this sort of adds up with this next piece of the puzzle because the 48-year-old on the weekend was forced to withdraw from his second round at the $30 million Genesis Invitational in California on Saturday. Well, Woods is a tournament host of the Genesis International, which is run by the Tiger Woods Foundation. So, you know, this is the bit. He's played, he's pulled up sore, pulled out of the second round, is it because he felt like he had to play because it was his tournament? It looks that way. That's what's being reported that way. It might not actually be the case, but, yeah, as you say, where there's smoke, there sometimes can be fire. Um, and it's been reported too, you know, with that partnership ending with Nike, there goes the $500 million he earned from the Nike deal over that journey. So it wouldn't surprise me if this is the case. 48-year-old and he's still playing all that level. Yeah, but yeah, you know, there's been blokes win majors in the fifties, sixties yeah. over the journey. But his body, as we know, the the way he used to play, is dead set banged up. Yeah, well, I I tell you what, if I'm well, still living at forty eight, that'd be good. <laughs> I'm playing golf. Mate, I, I hope I am. That's three years time. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, my dad's in his 50s and he's playing golf, so he's enjoying it, but he's not playing at Tiger's level unless no. he's hiding a lot of cash from me, which is not nice. Um, Formula One, so this is um, still not good. Uh, the, they've acknowledged Red Bull's internal investigation into team boss Christian Horner. They're urging it to p- provide clarity at the earliest opportunity. So he's facing allegations he tried to pay a 1.25 Aussie cash settlement to a female employee who received sexually suggestive text messages, allegedly, according to a Dutch newspaper. So he was placed under invest- investigation by the team's parent company. So this is... So, this, uh, so uh, is that $1.25 or $1.25 million? million. Oh, good. That's yeah. all right. Um, yeah, this is, this is the... Yeah, it's a horror thing mm. to the allegations. He's denied these allegations, but certainly from a Red Bull perspective and the F1's perspective, it's the last thing they need, such a high-profile um, incident. And yeah. though, as you say, they want that dealt with pretty swiftly. Absolutely. And we'll go to this airless basketball. So this is fascinating. For 2500 bucks. That's a, just a ball a bit out of the pocket, isn't it? So what, a ball with no bladder? No, yeah, airless basketball. So the black it's a three D printed ball and it appeared in last year's dunk dunk contest. It is now available for purchase. So only a hundred a few hundred were made. So that's for like people who want to collect stuff, tech enthusiasts and like it's just a bit of uh, creative engineering there. Yeah, and merchandise. Memorabilia. Yeah, memorabilia. Sales done it. Absolutely. Well, if it's an airless basketball, you wouldn't have to worry about punctures, would you? No, you wouldn't. You'd hope not. How much, like, in terms of memorabilia, like, how much stuff did, after the 04 flag did you have to sign for, like, official stuff and all that? Uh, I think I signed 1,500 items. Wow. Yeah, it was at least 1,200 that week on a Thursday. Is that what, after the grand final? Yeah, about 15 different pens. <laughs> No, you do. There's you're more probably more, because yeah, sharpies. Then they go a bit shit after a while. So then you've got to keep the quality ones because they're the panoramics. Yeah, so the panoramics, the and then the coaches and captains things, and yeah. That's and back then, I got paid thirty bucks a signature, so it was pretty good. Oh gee, <laughs> not bad. But God. you look at what they're making. What would they sell them for? Uh, they flogged them off for about what five hundred to a grand, oh, ranging whatever they probably, are. Yeah, grand or so the panoramics. Yeah, oh, the panoramic. The one, pho- one photographer gets the panoramic. Captain and coach sign them for 30 bucks a pop and make good money. Who's getting the rest? Woo! Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you and Choco made a, made a bit out of that then. Yeah, we did, but I, I, I wouldn't mind paying the um, time again. I wouldn't mind the official photographer. Yeah, no, he'd be... The AFL, and um, back then it was ESP, which is now TLA, had the uh, merchandising uh, deal right. with the AFL, so... Bar our 60 buck cut, they're making some serious cash. <laughs> Just have to pay the blokes. And, and that's but, where we talk about AFL times. And you, mm. there is massive amounts of memorabilia. You talk about Brownlows, all that sort of stuff. So players can make money, but the, the AFL makes a huge amount of money off the back of it too. Because, in, in their best interest, you know, what better team could win a grand final over the last 10 years than Richmond three times? Mm Geelong got a good supporter base. Collingwood got a massive supporter base. You look at Hawthorne's four, Pete, they're a massive club. West Coast won in 2018. Um, you just think on that, the other side of it, if, uh, what, GWS, Gold Coast won, mm. there wouldn't be the first because the membership base isn't as big. Yeah. There's an interesting little tip bit that we weren't supposed to talk about. 
wasn't on our run sheet. Well, we'll just uh, sneak in the last bit here with the uh, yeah. So this is this is absolutely cook. This is your childish stuff. <laughs> hey, you let me leave it in. Let me lead in your your story. Here's the headline: Rider <laughs> stood down. Olympic rider stood down for Mankini stunt. And when I say rider, he ain't a cyclist. No, that, he's that'd a be horse awful. rider. That'd be, that's bad. That cyclist would be worse. Three-time Olympic equestrian rider Shane Rose he has avoided suspension for wearing a mankini, which could on have the back him. of a horse. <laughs> so it could have cost him the 2024 Paris Games. Yes. So there was a. He's obviously done a prank here. Yeah, Your so, mate. Yeah, complaint was registered with the question Australia and Sports Integrity Australia after he took part in the fancy dress event the Wallaby Hill Extravaganza in the Southern Highlands on February 11. Well, three costumes of the day: gorilla yeah. suit. Duff yeah. Man from The Simpsons. Yeah. And the, yep, the uh, Mankini. The Bora. Famous by Bora, yes. Um, the latter one saw concern raised by a female attendee forcing um, the question in Australia to investigate. So, so the now, fun police got him. The, the best bit is <laughs> on Monday, they found he did not breach the code sport, the sports code of conduct. How? <laughs> they did not breach the code of conduct. Couldn't count the community event that he was competing at, and that he had already made a public apology. That is wow. the quote from a question Australia. So he's won silver at um, 08, 20 Olympics, and plus bronze in sixteen. So there you go. Hey, the panel took into account the community event that Mr. Rose was competing at, and that Mr. Rose had already made an apology. So they're saying because he said sorry. Yep. Right. Because he said sorry, and oh, the event we we're at was in the Southern Highlands. We'll we'll overlook this one. Imagine being a part of that meeting, that organisation meeting. You'd have going. to piss yourself laughing. Go, how, how do we put out a statement that people aren't going to just go, you idiots? Oh, it'd be a good day to be a media manager. That one writing that up. <laughs> oh, mate. <laughs> Wasn't his intention to offend anyone, even though he thought long and hard about putting on a Borat suit. I just love the fact that if we didn't breach the sports sports code of conduct, can't wait to see the Olympics and what they're going to wear. I reckon their code of conduct three lines and a piece of paper. <laughs> Might be on a napkin after that. Oh gosh, jeez. Well, that's all from us this week. So thanks for joining us, and thanks. Hopefully, you joined in for that last bit, but um, we will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Big Deal. Before you go, don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.